Thank you, and welcome to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. Linda is away today. Later, we're going to be joined by BBB Communications Manager Ashley Castleman, who will have some tips for your company's privacy policy. How do you handle client information, and how do you let them know about it? Nothing is more sure than death and taxes, the old saying goes, but if we're lucky, retirement is in that mix. When it comes to taxes, make sure you pay your fair share and when and where to look for help. Robert Hill of Blue Caribou Chartered Accountants will join us. And on today's Ask BBB, we'll learn about preparing for that retirement so that it is as sure as the other two. Our guest is Ken Coombs, a certified financial planner with SelectPath Benefits and Financial, Inc., Manulife Securities Investment Services. Ken, welcome to Ask BBB. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. Ken, um, one of the reasons people think about retirement in February is because... The boomer and older friends are already in Florida, and the RRSP deadline is looming. It is. Uh, when when should a person start planning for retirement? Uh, technically, a person should start planning for retirement about 20 years ago. <laughs> as soon as they get a job is when they should start planning for it. But How, how many people actually do that? How many young people um, are convinced and do that? If they come from a family of savers, then they probably do. But the majority of people... Uh, as soon as they get their first job, they're starting to pay down debts. They're looking at buying a home. They want to have the freedom of having a car. Saving is the last thing on their mind. They really just want to go out there and use the money that they're getting in the first time they've ever had it. So they're trying to enjoy it. Uh, but what they should be doing from a financial planning perspective is taking a portion of that and putting it away for future you uh, and then enjoying the wonderful world of compound growth over the next 30, 40 years while you're working. That uh, compound growth is a magic that if every uh, young person heard about would right. probably subscribe pretty quickly. They would. If if it was taught in schools more often, then I think people would prescribe to it a lot more. And like as soon as they start getting a job out of, out of school, then first thing they'd be doing is I'm going to take that 15 percent that everybody says I should save and, and put it aside for future me. When is it too late to start? It's never really too late to start. The only problem is the longer you wait, the more you're going to have to put in to get to the certain point. If you start saving when you're 20, you can get away with putting in 5 to 10% per year. If you wait till you're 30 or 40, that might have to be 15 to 20% of your pay going in there. If you wait until you're 50, you're looking at putting a large portion of your money that you're making currently away so that you'll have money available for when you don't work anymore. How, how do you determine how much you need to be able to retire, Ken? Is there a formula for that? There's no real formula. The formula basically comes down to your lifestyle preferences. You have a lifestyle while you're working and you have a, a lifestyle for when you're going to retire. You need to figure out how big your lifestyle is going to be when you no longer have income and that's how big your number needs to be. So if you've got a big lifestyle, you're going to have a big number that you're going to need in the account before you start to uh, think about not working anymore. Do you need to have a financial planner to be able to set something up? You don't need to have a financial planner, but uh, studies have shown that people who do use financial planners and get financial advice from professionals are much more likely to be better off financially, to be more comfortable with the amount of money they have and be a lot less stressed out than if they were do-it-yourselfers and just going through the motions, reading books or blogs or getting information from the news and just doing it themselves that way. Does it cost a lot of money to have a financial planner or advisor? It depends on where you go to get that advice. Uh, you can get great financial advice from a number of institutions that don't charge anything. Uh, if you go through a financial planner, there might be a fee involved with that, either up front as a, as a 
you know, a service fee, like an annual ongoing fee, or traditionally in the mutual fund world is the advisors get paid by trailing commissions for being invested in mutual funds that they put you into in the portfolio. So what kind of questions should you ask a firm about the money that the, they're getting for handling your money so that you know, or, or, or can you see the, what it's costing? You can definitely see. There's a new report that came out this year uh, as part of the, the regulations that uh, the year-end statement now shows uh, how your fund has performed in dollar figures instead of percentages, and it shows you how much it costs to be invested in that individual fund or that portfolio that you have. So now you're seeing what the dollar value is that you have been paying the dealership and the advisor and the firm that you're working with, and then compare that to how the funds have performed and what kind of value you're getting out of mm. it. If you're paying a lot of money and you're not performing, you might want to rethink who you're working with or maybe get a second opinion somewhere. So hopefully a lot of people have done planning and they're not uh, scrambling right now to set, up, not. <laughs> to set up our RSPs. Yeah, the, what, what now? It's the 25th of February. Right, yeah. They've got a couple of days. They've got Mar- a couple of days. They have until the 1st of March at technically midnight, but good luck finding any institutions that are open at that point. So um, we probably should have been asking these questions uh, well, maybe last June, mm-hmm. but uh, for those who are just thinking about it or who want to be reassured that they've made the right decisions, uh, RSP is one of the things that comes up now. Right. But in the last, um, what is it now, 10 years or so, we've had the option of uh, tax-free savings. Account. Right, right. How do you decide which is going to be the best or do you do a combination? From a planning perspective, the theory behind the RSP is you put money into it when you're making a large amount of money. You defer the taxes that you pay on it until future retirement when you're not making as much money. So if you're in a 29% tax bracket now, when you retire, you might be in a 20% tax bracket. So you save that 9% right off the bat, plus you have the growth inside the account. If, for instance, you're in a situation where you're currently making roughly what you think you might be taking out in retirement, you really have no tax deferral benefit to do that. That's where a tax-free savings account comes in handy because any money that goes into it can grow and you can take it out without ever having to pay the taxes because you've already done that. It's your after-tax dollars from your paycheck. So I hear you saying that you don't look at the refund that you're going to get immediately as the big decision maker then. Yeah, because if you look at it that way, you're going to take the refund at the current tax bracket, and then in five years, you're going to take it out at the same tax bracket. What did you save? You didn't save anything. You just pushed off paying the exact same amount. So once you've made that decision, um, then uh, what types of RRSPs are there? What can you put into an RRSP investment? You can invest in anything in an RRSP. The RRSP is basically just a wrapper. Inside that wrapper, you can have segregated funds, mutual funds, stocks and bonds, GICs, high-interest savings accounts, anything that you could invest in in a non-registered account or a tax-free savings account can be inside a registered savings account as well into an RSP, and you can invest in anything. Well, uh, thank you very much for being with us uh, today, Ken, and was a pleasure. giving us a little bit of a picture of uh, uh, being ready for retirement. And uh, hopefully, there aren't too many people scrambling to make that investment between now and uh, Tuesday of this week. And They'll see you and other advisors uh, like you, Mm. say, next June. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we get into it a little bit more before the two days before the cutoff. Ken Coombs, Certified Financial Planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Inc., Manulife Securities Investment Services. Thanks again, Ken, for being with us. Thanks. You're welcome. When we return, we'll talk taxes.
Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. Taxes. Next year, we're going to have everything ready when the tax time rolls around. But just as we're surprised when the first snow falls, there's always that scramble to meet the tax deadline. To talk taxes, we welcome Robert Hill, who is principal with Blue Caribou Chartered Accountants. Welcome to the program, Robert. Thanks, Jim. Good to have you here. Robert, who is required to file a tax return? Well, that's a great question, Jim. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, anyone that has to pay tax uh, last year is required to file a tax return. Um, you know, there there are other people that have to file the tax returns as well. Um, if you have to contribute to a Canada Pension Plan, also known as CPP, mm-hmm. you're required to file uh, a personal tax return. Uh, if you received a request to file from the Canada Revenue Agency, uh, you are required to file a tax return. Disposed of capital property last year, you're also required to file a tax return. Uh, you know, what some people don't know is that uh, there's people that should file a tax return. They're not necessarily required. Uh, you want to claim a refund, for example. You're not necessarily required uh, to file a tax return, but you should in order to get that money back. Uh, there are also benefits that the government hands out every year based on your tax return, such as the work, working income tax benefit, the child tax benefit, and the HST tax benefit. So there may be people out there who aren't filing who would benefit if they did. Exactly. Rather than uh, them having to pay, there could be money owing them. Uh, Robert, are all chartered accountants experts when it comes to taxes? That's a great question. And uh, like a lot of professions out there, there are various different types of designations or specializations in the accounting world. Uh, For example, in our office, we have a CA who uh, predominantly specializes as an advisor or consultant in a controller type capacity to small and mid-sized businesses. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be preparing your personal tax return. Uh, whereas we have a CGA on staff that specializes in personal tax. He manages that division. He will be the one to prepare your ter- personal tax return if you are a client of our firm. Uh, more recently, the Institute of Chartered Accounts recently amalgamated the CA, CMA, and CGA designations in an attempt to derive a more universal or global CPA designation. There are a lot of initials there, Robert, so we, <laughs> we need to kind of take that in. Uh, I guess what we need to know then is, is – uh, um, what kind of questions should we ask if we're looking for somebody who's going to help us with our returns um, to, to figure out that we've got the right people? Yeah, exactly. You know, if I'm going to a, a tax firm uh, or a new accounting firm, I want to know who's preparing my tax return. I probably want to know how long he or she has been preparing tax returns for. How long will the process take? Will my return be filed on time? How much will I be charged for the service? Will he or she be performing a review of my last filed return to check for inconsistencies or mm-hmm. differences between the two years. If if something if there is an inconsistency, how is that handled? Can it be can you do a repair a year later? And- Absolutely. Absolutely. So at our firm, you know, we do a once over of every previously filed uh, tax return that hasn't been prepared by our firm just to determine if there is an inconsistency there. The inconsistency might be normal. It might be that there's a spike in change of activity or whatever the case may be, but it might be that the previous preparer prepared the return incorrectly, in which case we can file an amendment to that return. Now, a lot of the people who are listening this morning are individuals like myself, uh, but there are a lot of uh, people out there who are businesses, small businesses and larger. Um, what is the difference there? Well, if you're a business, is there more information that you need as compared to individuals, Robert? That's a great question. There are various different types of documentation uh, and information that needs to be provided um, that's basically specific to every single different situation. Uh, at our firm, uh, we prepare uh, a comprehensive checklist uh, for that client based on their need, whether they're a sole proprietor or a corporation or just a, a personal income tax return. And then our clients have the ability to upload that documentation 
through their uh, secure client portal on our website or deliver in person to our office. Now, we talked about uh, that scramble. Uh, this is the time of year <laughs> when you start getting busy between now and the end of April. But does everybody have to file at the end of April or is there a difference for businesses? There, there is a difference actually. Uh, so personal tax returns, uh, if you uh, are required to pay the Canada Revenue Agency a balance, you're required to file and pay that balance by the end of April. Uh, sole proprietors uh, are afforded until June 15th uh, to file that uh, personal tax return. But if there is taxes owing, that payment should be made by April 30th or else the CRA will charge you interest on the balance. So as a business, um, do you keep track of, of taxes and tax information on a month-to-month kind of uh, basis or what, what do you usually recommend for that? We do. You know, uh, some of the uh, uh, best advice we can give our clients is basically to stay organized, you know, setting up uh, policies and procedures uh, from the get-go uh, to ensure that uh, the client has a plan that they can commit to on either a weekly a monthly or an annual basis, whatever their situation may be. Um, that usually helps avoid late late payment uh, penalties and it helps them stay organized and keep their accounting fees way low at the end of the year. Talk a little bit about how um, a firm like yours with chartered accountants work with bookkeepers in a firm. Um, do you help them set that sort of thing up? We do. Uh, our firm uh, specifically employs uh, two staff accountants uh, which perform bookkeeping duties. Uh, but we also work with many uh, external bookkeepers to make sure that the systems are set up correctly. So at the end of the year, there's minimal work for our firm uh, to be able to prepare the corporate tax return and associated financial statement. So I hear from what you're saying is the the scenario that I described at the very first of this where we're scrambling to get all that information need not be the situation. That's right. You know, with a little bit of planning and organization, I think uh, we can make life easier on everyone. This is the time of year when you'll be getting a, a lot of calls uh, about uh, taxes. Um, is it possible for a business to find a firm to do their taxes this late and this close to the deadlines, Robert? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, it, it's no secret that uh, there's an increased uh, activity or volume at this time of year for an accounting firm. So they uh, they typically plan for that. I know we do. Um, so ourselves, like other firms, are, are currently accepting new clients. Okay. Uh, so if people want to get in touch with Blue Caribou, how would they do that? Uh, either by phone at uh, 519-850-9142 or on the web at www.mybluecaribou.com. And Robert, of course, uh, they'll go on to the BBB site and just check out your firm and any other firm that they're thinking about uh, using so that they know that they're an accredited business. Please do. Robert Hill of Blue Caribou Chartered Accountants, thanks very much for being with us this morning. Thanks for having me, Jim. And we'll be back with more on Ask BBB, and we'll be joined by Ashley Castleman, who answers the question, who needs a privacy policy? Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan, and we're joined now by Ashley Castleman, who is the Communications Manager at BBB Western Ontario. Welcome to this side of the microphone, Ashley. Thank you. So the topic today is privacy policy. Uh, when a merchant or business asks for an email address or a home address, how can we be sure that they are going to make sure that that's uh, uh, secure? Ashley, um, it's an important part of BBB accreditation, isn't it? It is. One of our standards is for all businesses that are accredited with us to have a privacy policy posted on their website. Even if they don't collect information, they should just make a note of that 
um, as a simple privacy policy. So if you're on the BBB site searching businesses, you're pretty sure that every one of those businesses has a privacy policy. So Ashley, uh, why does a business need a privacy policy? Uh, The short and easy answer to that is because it's the law. It's that simple. Yes. (laughs) And and I think we all feel more secure if we know that uh, the information we provide is is protected. Uh, What is considered personal information then? Uh, Any information which can be used to distinguish or trace back to a person's identity is considered personal information. So things such as their name, their social Mm -hmm. security number, date of birth, uh, place of birth, uh, mother's maiden name, those are all things that are considered personal information. So you're going to want to make sure that they protect that information online. So what does a privacy policy have to contain then if if they're making up a policy to post? When you're making up a policy, there's a few questions you're going to want to answer in the policy. Uh, What personal information are you collecting and is it sensitive? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you collect it? How you collect it? Uh, what do you, that does the business use it for and where it's kept? Uh, you're also going to want to put if it's uh, secured or not, especially if it's an auto dealership uh, with financial information. You want to make sure it's a secured website mm. and also who has access to you, access to it or who uses it once it's collected. That's really important, isn't it? It is. Um, where that information ends up. Exactly. You're going to want to know where it's stored and how they dispose of it when they no longer need that information. Now, a lot of uh, privacy policies that you read are sort of kind of used generalities. Is that something you want to avoid? Yes. Uh, So when you're writing your business's uh, privacy policy, you're going to want to avoid catch-all terms. Uh, Don't make it vague. Make it specific. Uh, Make it unique to your business. Uh, Did you talk about how this information might be disposed of. Uh, is there a certain time that they have to keep it or or that they're allowed to keep it? Uh, is that part of the policy? There are, there are certain rules of how long um, you have to keep certain information. Uh, that would be uh, on, on the Privacy Commissioners of Canada's website um, because different information has different time periods of when you should uh, destroy it. Do some companies then share the information with third parties? Uh, And if they do, is that something they want to declare? That's definitely something they want to declare. Um, Some people do collect information on their website uh, for third parties. So in the privacy policy, you'll want to uh, make it clear that you are collecting it on behalf of another party and what happens to that information. Hmm. How often should a business update? their privacy policy? You're going to want to update your privacy policy on a regular basis. It's not something you want to make uh, stale on your website. Um, Ensure that your privacy policy reflects your current privacy management uh, practices. That way it's fresh and stays up to date. Speaking of uh, management of uh, the privacy policy, is this something that all the staff should be aware of if they're handling any of this information? Yes, you should definitely make sure all your staff who is handling any of the private information of your clients, they're aware of what the proper steps are, how to secure it, and how to properly dispose of it. Ashley, do you have any other tips for updating a privacy policy for small businesses? Yes. Uh, So you're going to want to avoid using uh, templates. They're good for just the style of it, but you want to make it unique to your business, specific to your practices. Uh, You want to make it easy for your customers to contact you if they have any questions. So make sure you include your address and phone number. Um, Another tip I would suggest would be uh, 
make it readily available on your website. So just put the privacy policy on the footer of your website. That makes it easy to find for everybody. And um, once it's found, uh, you can review it. You can decide whether you want to share that information. And then if you have any questions, I guess it's it's a good thing to then be able to go and ask that company those questions. Definitely. Um, obviously, you said this was the law. So yes. there, must be, there must be somebody we can refer to to answer even the, the more complicated questions. Yes, there is. Privacy policies can be very complicated. Uh, you can always contact the Privacy Commission of Canada. They have a kit that they'll send to a business to help make it a little easier to draft that policy for you. Uh, you can find them online at www.priv.gc.ca. Ashley, thanks again for these tips and thanks for being with us on this side of the microphone. Ashley Castleman is our communications manager at the BBB. Next week on BBB, even more of Ashley as we look at the top 10 scams and National Password Day. Remember, you can always ask BBB. Visit the website at BBB.org. Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western Aunt. And thank you very much, Ashley, for producing the show once again today. Ashley Castleman, BBB Western Ontario's Communications Manager. So until next time, I'm Jim Swan. Remember, ask BBB and start with trust.